Michael Vincent, the dude. <laughs> hey, good Wednesday afternoon, everybody. From Freight Alley, Mox Country, my friend. Mox Frozen country. tundra of Freight Alley. By the way, when you were holding your pom-poms, I've never yeah. held pom-poms before. Do you hold it like a fist, or do you kind of like hold it with your fingers like yeah, that? Yeah, you, you hold it like you're in a knife fight. That's the, the Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, these are nice. Thank you, Chattanooga Mox. By the way, so it's freezing here. You're coming to F3. It's 12 days away to F3. It was 34 degrees. We woke up this morning right here in Chattanooga. Fortunately, it wasn't snowing, but it was just down the street from us. Take a look. <laughs> just down the street. Well, I mean, how far away is that? That's Kentucky. That's Kentucky? <laughs> no, it was in Tennessee. It's a Kentucky border, though. I mean, it's... Well, I, if it's, is it in Kentucky or is it in Tennessee? It's in Tennessee. Okay. It's in Tennessee. Then why would listen, you say it's in Kentucky? Listen, I'm not arguing with you. It was so cold, I wore jeans today. I know what you did. It was like the first time. I thought your dad energy would have carried you through. Like when I was in Boston, you go to the grocery store, you would see dads all the time in cargo shorts and flip-flops yeah. going to buy groceries. i tell you what it was. You know what it was? What? I saw this hat and I was like, I can't wear this hat with shorts. I got to wear jeans and boots. Of course. Yeah. And that's little, really what it was. And it was cold like, enough to get away with it. So I did it. We're, we got to start that too. Logistics Private Eye, Michael Vincent, the dude, brand new show. Start looking, Logistics start investigating PI. some of these companies, some of these people. That's right. Our enemies. I love it. Our enemies. Do we have yeah. enemies? Plenty of them. Oh, good. Hey, we got a lot Thank going on today. We're going to talk about a great <laughs> partnership between Kodiak and a major, major, major retail brand. How they're Ooh. autonomously going to be moving that around a corridor Ooh. in Texas. We got Rachel Premack. She's going to give you some conference travel survival tips. Plus, are we all going to starve to death? Apparently, the Mississippi River is in a drought. There's a big barge backup. She'll give us all the details on yeah. that. We get Sal Mercagliano from University of, uh, from sorry, Campbell University. Campbell, that's right. We're going to chop it up on everything. Freight markets. Mm. Roll know, humps. Talking trash. We're going to do it all. Had to We're cheat on college all. papers. Have you ever slapped professionally? I haven't. We'll okay. get into that, all too. We've also got back cool. the trucks up. Rooster and Super Trucker with all the trucking news to round it out for you. But let's tip the band, and then we're going to go over to the University of Tennessee, Chattanooga. Oh, sweet. Yeah, man. Fleets today cannot waste time waiting for fully driverless technology. Locomation's autonomous relay convoy systems are safe, legal, and profitable with no federal regulations holding them back. Join Locomation for the fastest path to commercial deployment at scale across the U.S. No. To learn more, tell them, dude. They go to locomation.ai forward slash no barriers right after the show. Let's find out how game day works at a college football game. Roll the tweet. Hey, we're here today at the Chattanooga Mox game with our brand new friend we met, Cowboy, who's the driver of the sexy-looking Taman football truck. What's up, man? Not much, man. Just enjoying (laughs) the day, enjoying the game, uh, having fun. Well, this looks like a dream job, doesn't it, Michael Vincent? We got it beautiful, absolutely does, yeah. We got beautiful weather out here in Chattanooga. Can you tell us a little bit what it means to be a truck driver who hauls around football equipment on game day? Uh, this is the best thing I've done in my trucking career. More excitement, met more friendly people everywhere I go, get treated with respect, enjoy being around everybody, and it means a lot to know that people care for a truck driver still, and uh, just having having a blast. Time of my trucking career. 
Awesome stuff, Cowboy. So why, why, why football? Why, why college football? Why, why are you playing college football? I mean, I get all the perks that you've now experienced, but how'd you get into it? What was the I've always liked football. I always wanted to go to a game my whole life. Never got a chance until I joined with Taman. And last, last year, we got the uh, opportunity and needed somebody to do this. And I jumped on it and have been happy ever since. How does a truck company like Taman get involved with a school like Chattanooga? Uh, looking for the right opportunities. We've got great drivers. We had a great, great uh, uh, local vendor to help us find the truck. Yeah. Uh, and then just loving college football and just made all the sense in the world. It really does. I've never heard of this before. Is this like all over the conference where they do this type of stuff, looking up with uh, logistics companies? No, it's pretty unique. Uh, Taman's pretty uh, uh, kind of forward in the conference. We've had a lot of outreach from other uh, other uh, 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 teams inside of the yeah, conference. Yeah, yeah. Just um, hopefully by next year, we'll have a few of them. Maybe Cowboy will have a few partners to go on the road with. Well, hey, there's a lot of players on the yeah. teams, and we're looking at this trailer right over here. You're a driver. You got to know how much that thing weighs. When this thing is loaded for game day, how much weight are you pulling? Uh, I'd say close to 20,000 pounds. About 20,000? 20,000. It's, uh, it's 34, 420 empty, uh, but uh, I got a gauge in the truck that I can tell it's about 20,000. I'm Billy Wilson, the director of equipment facilities for UTC. We have about eight feet of space left when we're done. We have helmets, shoulder pads, jerseys, pants, and we've got an extra set for every one of everything. Uh, if you can think of it, we have it. We take the, we bring our entire equipment room, put it on the truck, we bring it on the road, wherever we go, make it feel like home. I bring the air conditioners that they roll out on the field to keep oh. the players cool. Uh, I keep the benches, the pads, the helmets, uh, water, water jugs, uh, uh, bicycles that they warm up on, uh, the tent to where if somebody gets hurt, wow. they put them under to check them out. Um, the accessories that the players need to play when they get here, come off the truck, they go to the back and get what they need, they hand it out to them. Um, so like pretty I much said, if you don't show up, there's no game. No, sir. We no, no way. There's one, one kickoff. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, uh, no detention. No, no uh, layover. Uh, there's no, one game. There's one no game. No. <laughs> None of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> So I have, it's me and an assistant, and we have eight students that work for us, and they are the stars of the show. They really do the work and make us look good. Now what happens after the game? You gotta load the trailer back So up. after the game is a mad dash. Our goal is to be out of here in one hour. One hour? One hour to get out of here. That is 20,000 pounds on the truck. We'll start loading at halftime and get the stuff we're done with. Don't need, it'll be on the back, condensed down. Uh, the game ends, half of us will get to the locker room and start getting stuff out. The rest of us are on the field getting the sideline cleared as quick as possible and getting this truck up and back so we can unload and get ready for next week. Is this something else you'd recommend to other 3PLs or truck companies out there? Yeah. Go to your local team, especially in conferences like this and see if they need the support. Absolutely. I think it's been great for us just driving around town. Uh, I know UTC has had some great feedback. Uh, their athletic department has said they've had kids, they've had recruits come in and see it driving around. It, it, it means something. Sure. Um, so we're, we're definitely, uh, you know, we'd love to have every single conference and every yeah. team uh, with Taman, but we, we definitely, you know, uh, encourage it for every company that's out there doing freight.
Cowboy, this seems like a dream job. Why wouldn't every driver decide to haul freight? Is this for a special type of guy, a special type of girl, a special type of driver, or, or should anyone consider this? Uh, I think that people could do it, but I you've got to love the sport, one thing, which I do. You got to have a good boss like I do to even get a chance to do something like this. Mm. So I've been blessed in every aspect to just to have a chance to uh, go through something like this in my career. Now, as we understand it, today is a salute to veterans, a salute to heroes, is it not? Yes, yes. Big game. There's a bunch of really cool stuff uh, up up by the pavilion. Uh, the kickoff. They're going to have, uh, I think, a flyover with a little. Uh, 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 antics. I think there's going to be some people jumping out of planes. Uh, so I, I'm sure there'll be stuff even more than that. Not us. I got, <laughs> in that, I got in that Hummer up there. I'm thinking you're not getting it. I'm not. No, no height uh, no, works for that. I barely uh, I would say. You have the irony. You're like 10 feet tall and you're afraid of heights. <laughs> well, I would uh, give you guys some uh, some calls for concern. If you didn't know, you're wearing BMI colors right now. Oh, are we really? So oh. you may get invited up to the plane to get pushed out by the by the end of this. No, we're, is that why we're getting all those that, looks? That's where those and, looks may come it's from. It's all about the box, man. We're teaming up the truck over here. And today, Today we are on Team Mox. The trainers went right past you. I know. They ran right past me. They didn't run to eight. You were knocked on the ground. You had like six of them running over to you. I'm yeah, on the ground breathing. It was targeting. Frazier said it was targeting. I believe it was. Yeah. Well, it was a good time. Thank you so much, <laughs> University of Tennessee Chattanooga, Billy Wilson, their equipment manager over there, who, by the way, it turns out, small world, he happens to know our own Sydney and Kaylee Nix, as we found out the other day. From yeah, there. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't even know that when we were there. Also, Ryan Pamplin and Cowboy over at Tayman. Thanks so much, guys. It was let's, awesome. What let's talk to Don Burnett, co-founder and CEO over at Kodiak Robotics. Oh, yeah. Don, you don't have anything going on, do you? Uh, no, no. Just, uh, just chilling out. Nothing really exciting going on. How are you guys doing? Hey, is that one of your trucks that you're sitting right in front of? Yeah, it's one of our trucks sitting right in front of it. Figured can't find a better backdrop than that. Where, where are you right now? What part of the uh, world are you sitting at? We're in Mountain View, California right now. That's where our headquarters are. We also have an office in Dallas, Texas, which is where we do a lot of our testing and, and operations out of. I was going to wonder awesome. if you were in Texas because of the big announcement that came out yesterday between you and IKEA. Congratulations. Little cowbell for you and the Absolutely. team. That's a, that's a big Thank project you. you have going on. Can you tell everyone what that is in case they haven't caught the news release? Yeah, absolutely. So really exciting news. Uh, we've actually started talking to IKEA way back in 2019. So it's been a long-term uh, development of the relationship, but we just started working with them to carry freight from, uh, from their uh, distribution center to their office in Frisco. Uh, sorry, their, their store in Frisco. And I think the exciting thing about this is that it, it takes it out of the theoretical and into the hands of actual people, right? If you're in the Frisco area, and you bought furniture at Ikea over the last couple of months, chances are pretty good that it was carried there on a self-driving truck. So that's, I think, incredibly exciting. Definitely a first of its kind in this industry and really brings the technology closer to uh, everyday, everyday people. And uh, we're, we're really thrilled to have the relationship with Ikea. 
That's really cool, Don. And you're not doing it for just the heck of it. What are some of the what are some of the benefits that are you're showing these customers and these partners working with the autonomous vehicles? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing all kinds of benefits, not just with IKEA, but with other partners that we've we've announced earlier this year. We worked with US Express, who's uh, based, of course, in Chattanooga, and uh, delivered for five and a half days. Dallas to Atlanta, nonstop, 24-7 operation. So we're really demonstrating the ability for self-driving trucks to, to move continuously, very efficiently, and ultimately be able to bring down the costs of moving freight. We also demonstrated that with 10 Roads Express coast to coast earlier this year, and most recently with Werner, where we did uh, we moved for seven days straight uh, Dallas to Lake City, Florida, which is just outside of Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. So we're really pushing this area of uh, long distance, multiple hours of service operation, which is where we think that self-driving is going to have the biggest impact. Why is it so important for you to work with commercial partners now, especially logos that, that, that people are familiar with? It's really all about the learning. If you want to develop a technology and put it out into the hands of, of the industry, you need to understand what the needs of the industry are. And we've been learning and listening to, to our customers, to our partners. Uh, this is why we've developed things like our, our sensor pod solution, which is really easy to install and easy to maintain, keeps the trucks rolling because everybody knows you only make money when your trucks are rolling. Things like that have borne out of these partnerships and these relationships. And so uh, we're really building an ecosystem around this. It isn't just about the trucks. It's also about the service. We have partners like Bridgestone, uh, pa partners like Pilot and Southern Tire Mart. So we're really working with a broad ecosystem to learn all of the aspects of what is required to, to bring this tech. Oh, oh did we lose him? I don't know. It, it, we got it to, it's really, it's okay. really interesting stuff. It's very cool. It's very cool. And the industry needs to be watching this type of stuff, right? As he was talking about the ecosystem, and that's really developing it, right? Is well, the ecosystem around this to allow this stuff to happen, right? Of course. And if we do get him back, I want to ask him about that ecosystem. Texas has become quite the hotbed for these tests. Yes. I believe the, di the distance that these are moving is 300 miles. So they want to go long range with these things. They want to do the testing, and they're um, keeping them safe. I, just, I, I hope we can get some more. Maybe we'll get him back uh, in the meantime. Meanwhile... unbelievable yeah well hey that like is funny stuff our internet shut down during the middle of programming so let's go into a few other things here where we see if that can uh can get back up let's yeah, jump let's on out. over to uh well not heavy home let's go to what do we got under there how about this fraud let's talk about this logistics fraud michael vincent oh, that's, that's a good, good one. one yeah so there's a massive fraud that has occurred fema has awarded a one, FEMA awarded, right, a one-woman logistics company. And these contracts, these FEMA contracts, yeah. they can make or break companies. There's oh, a ton of logistics companies that were built entirely on the back of these, um, these systems right here. Well, FEMA awarded a one-woman logistics company to supply self-heated meals to Puerto Rico in the wake of Hurricane Maria in 2017. The problem was not a single one was delivered on that 156 million dollar contract fox 
five, they're saying here that officials at the Department of Justice have charged this 43-year-old woman, Tiffany Brown, with 11 counts of major disaster fraud, 14 counts of wire fraud, and one count of theft of government money with three counts of money laundering. According to an indictment in 2017, Brown and her Georgia-based company, Tribute Contracting, they submitted a proposal to FEMA saying that the company could provide 10 million self-heated meals to Puerto yeah. Rico after Hurricane Maria left everybody there with that electricity and heat. They said, great. In her proposal, officially Brown, she alleged she'd partnered with a major logistics agency to meet the requirements. Uh, she said she had the vehicles, the staff, and the know-how that's available seven days a week, 24-7. Every logistics company says that. Not always true. Officials say, in reality, Brown had not secured any self-heating meal supplies or arranged with any shippers to deliver meals. Officially, Brown allegedly falsely confirmed that she and her core suppliers had 30 million Self-heating meals delivered in 30 days. Um, none of that happened. Just yeah, 50, that's what you said was going to Those happen. were delivered. What do you think? Uh, guilty. Uh, why would you? First of all, why would they? This is Maria in Puerto Rico, not Ian. The most recent. Yeah, this was a number of years ago, and, and Puerto Rico was just devastated by that. Still recovering from the darn thing, as a matter of fact. So she got fifty thousand meals, but they were self-heating, right? So what would she do? She'd throw together some uh, meal packs there, some uh, lunchables or something like that, and give it to her. I think it's awful. I think they should throw the full letter of the law at her. It, it, there's other providers who probably may have been able to supply this thing to help these people out. <laughs> The good thing is when they're talking about this, they cut it off after about a week, right? Yeah. With nothing going in there. So they were hopefully able to recover and get some real relief to these people. Uh, the other thing that I can think of is why would you award this to a one-person logistics company? Yeah, I wouldn't award it to one le person logistics company. I might reward it to a Kodiak autonomous truck. Well, I was going to say, unless Don it was Don back. Burnett. If it was Don Burnett, I'd probably it. It was Don Burnett. Hey, Don, sorry about that. Uh, hey, I'm back with you guys. That, <laughs> that, that weather must be really, really bad there, huh? It, you know, it's freezing the power lines out here. We can't even get through to anybody. Degrees, dude. I don't know. It's making things brittle. Actually, it is the first deep freeze this season, so it could be uh, running some havoc. But, uh, Don, we were just talking about, you know, let's start out. Well, Michael Vincent will edit out that other part where you ask the question. Re-ask your question. Re-ask my question. Oh, oh, about the, uh, yeah. So, how, Don, how should uh, trucking companies be looking at this, watching the development of this ecosystem, these partnerships with these, with these, with these people? What this should be looking for to take away from this, not just interest? Absolutely. So it really is about learning on both sides. So for them, it's understanding how does the self-driving system fit into their existing business, into their existing operations? Is it seamless? What do they have to change? How do we integrate with TMS, FMS systems like that? So for them, for the carriers, for, uh, for the folks that we work with, it's important for them to be ready for when the trucks are eventually drivers. And we think that's coming in the next couple of years. So it's the testing is happening today. The integration is happening today. The coordination is happening today to be ready for, so that we're ready and that they're ready when, when the time comes in the next couple of years to pull the driver. Now, Don, why has Texas become such a hotbed? I'm just curious because I, whenever I'm hearing about these new partnerships, even some of your own, all seem to be in Texas lately. Lately, yeah. Well, Texas has always been a great state. We were actually the first AV company to go to Texas. We identified it really early back in 2018, set up shop in Dallas, as you know, and the, the rest is history. But it's got great, it's got great weather, uh, uh, great regulatory uh, bodies, you know, very, very um, supportive government, DOT, highway patrol, et cetera, um, good infrastructure, and there's a ton of freight volume. So, it's, it's a large state. They have great highways, uh, ports. It, it's kind of got a little bit of everything that you need to, to really hit the ground running with a self-driving system. So it's an ideal launching, launching stage for, for uh, companies like Kodiak.
Now, they say big deals come in threes. Is there anything else going on at Kodiak these days? What's in store for uh, the rest of the year and as you move into 2023? Yeah, we have some big announcements coming up. I'm, I'm not going to spoil them uh, today, but we have some big announcements coming up in the rest of the year. And really, as we turn the corner of 2023, it's about marching toward that driverless launch. We're, we're starting to kind of batten down the hatches, if you will, just really work on the reliability, the redundancy of the platform. We're building our next generation of the truck hardware uh, that's even going to be more sophisticated than the current system, which we already think is, is state-of-the-art. Um, you know, we have the best technology in this business today. We're just going to refine that over the next year and a half and uh, really march toward that 2024 goal. Well, congratulations to you and the team. It's it's great to hear it. Um, I, my wish list would be like self, uh, self-assembling furniture, like the self-driving right. version of furniture next. That would be our next key goal. <laughs> that's, that's what we're working on next, for sure. We're, we're, gonna pivot, we're definitely going to pivot there with that partnership with Ikea. We've already discussed it. It's happening. That's very strange. Well, I, hey, Don, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on the show. Congratulations to you and the team. We look forward to hearing about the next deal. My pleasure. You're a visionary, man. Prefabricated furniture? Self, that, that's that, odd. I mean, that would be the tough part. It would be really tough. If you think about all like the manipulation you have to do with hands and stuff, like that furniture assembled itself, that would be a challenge. Like a home robot that could do that for you? Yeah. Don't just say it like it's like it's a light thing. That would be a well, yeah, I mean, you could, or you could buy it already prefabbed, you know. Okay, but then that There's takes that. up extra space in the trailer. That's true. Cutting into your margins. That's why you have a disassembled thing. You have the robot Bring in Bring it there. by drone. Drones can't lift that heavy. Oh, they got heavy drones. Well, like war drones can, but they're busy using you those. You can bring a couch stuff. and your plate game controller and your latte. I've had enough out of you. It's Rachel <laughs> Premax, who's the editorial director here over at Freightways. Rachel, how's it going? I bet it was colder here in Chattanooga this morning than it was in New York. Ooh. Five degrees here, really sunny. Um, I'm actually shocked to hear it's so cold in Chattanooga. I thought the whole point of living down there was to avoid cold weather. No, that's not my point at all. Like, I, no. I'm from Boston. I love being down here because we get very seasonal. People get surprised by that. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons we wanted to have you on today was F3 is 12 days away. People are coming down here in 12 days. I can't even believe it. It's less than two weeks. Yeah. But we're also in that point of the year, Rachel. This is an important one, especially for the ladies out there who, you know, may not be just dressing in slacks and jackets. We're in that point of the year where it could be 34 degrees in the morning, and then it can be like 72 degrees in the middle of the afternoon, uh, and then dropping yeah. down to 60 and into the 40s at, at night. How do you prepare for a conference and event like this and weather like that? I think there's not really any winning. The best you can do is like dress for the indoor weather because you're going to be indoor for most of, indoors for most of the day. So you should just prioritize what am I wearing inside for this, you know, eight or so hours that I'm actually inside? And it's probably going to be very cold inside, you know, air conditioned. Most, you know, indoor spaces are uh, created for people wearing, you know, maybe a men wear, maybe a guy wearing a button down shirt and a jacket and pants. So definitely do not definitely bring your tights is what I would say to the fellow women out there, you know, oh. Bring tights, bring pants, uh, bring a light cardigan. Um, you know, I definitely think that since we all started working remotely, people kind of forgot that you have to kind of bundle up when you're inside. But, uh, yeah, you got to bundle up still, for sure. Now, if you had tights, Michael Vincent, you could still wear your shorts even when it gets below freezing. 
I think that's what I might do. Yeah. I, I mean, she just gave me a great idea. I could, I could use them. I've got tights. I have, I have leggings, else. too, like long john leggings. I have ones that are, like, very sheen. Um, they're very sheen. They're almost like like women's tights, oh, but they yeah. keep you super oh. warm. So, like, they're not bulky. They're not like that waffly type I got material, you. like the old-fashioned kind. I got you. Yeah. I got you. I Any got other shoes? Yeah, like spandex. Like spandex. What kind of shoes clogs, would you wear? Well, you usually wear pants. Yeah. No, yeah. you wear clogs. Doc Martens. Clogs, okay. Yeah, yeah cool, clogs, cool, cool. for sure, clogs. What about, all right, what about for the travel? What do you always forget to bring with you, or what should everyone make sure they have with them when they come out here? I always forget to bring a spare pair, a spare few contact lenses, oh. or the, like, little travel size contact lens bottle. I feel like almost every single time I travel, now not so much because I've, like, grilled in my head that I cannot forget it again. I always forget that tiny contact lens bottle. Because I always run out of it because, you know, it's like $5 for this tiny little bottle. And I'm like, fine, I'll do it again, except it kind of feels like a waste. Um, but yeah, that's my big travel tip. Just remember all of those little tiny, uh, all those little tiny things. Because it always sucks when it's like 10 or 11 o'clock, you're about to go to bed and you're like, oh, I forgot my toothbrush or something. And well, why don't, I listen to me, why don't. Why don't more boots give that stuff away? Here's my thing. Your swag, more toiletries be given away at swag boots. Tables, <laughs> like Yetis are That's table stakes. Everybody has Yetis, and they I've have a ton of them, them at home. because of like that one. two years without conferences. So everyone's going to have Yetis. Everyone's going to have shirts. But how many people are going to have little bottles of contact lens solution, right? Or little cases yeah. with your logo on there. Wouldn't that be great? Give what about a case like Cody That's a really good there. idea. Yeah, or toothpaste, or a mouthwash, or a toothbrush, or all of travel. You could do the whole travel kit right just yeah, like a hygiene kit yeah a hygiene kit you know or a personal like a sewing little sewing kit sal mercogliano never leaves home without a sewing kit uh, is that true oh well because he's always getting pasta on his shirt yeah that's pasta right sees. that's right that's right. Well, speaking of eating, uh, I read an article that was a little disturbing, and I saw some pictures online. It showed like 100 barges lined up on the Mississippi River. We've been hearing about droughts and stuff, and uh, I mean, Mississippi doesn't even have drinking water. Uh, 60% to 40, 60% of grain, 54% of U.S. soybeans are exported via the uh, Noble Barge. What, what's going on, Rachel? Yeah, so right now, Mississippi River levels are at its lowest point in a decade. And that means that, uh, you know, trade that happens on that whole Mississippi River Basin is really constrained. And the timing's quite bad because right now is harvest season. So right now farmers are trying to move their crops. Uh, barge is a great way to move it because, you know, it's low cost. It can move or typically can move quite a bit over a long uh, stretch, of, stretch of land. Uh, rail is also a good option, but... As we know, there's been a lot of disruptions with rail service and perhaps more to come. So it's it's the timing is quite bad for uh, this drought. And on top of all of that, uh, the world really does need U.S. grain, soybeans, coal. We've got uh, a brewing energy crisis over in Europe. We've got, uh, you know, other sorts of, you know, Ukraine and other areas of the world where we do typically get grain, uh, you know, we're not able to really get grain from those areas anymore. So the timing is pretty bad for uh, this sort of barge crisis, I'd say. Yeah, it really is. And they're dredging right now to try and keep this open. They've got certain areas that are uh, one-way traffic only, right? So they've got a guy on either end with the stop and slow signs, I guess, twirling back and forth. They let barges through. What's, uh, how, I mean, how do we look at this moving forward to, I mean, to prevent something like this? It's been the last since a decade. I didn't hear about this 10 years ago, though. 
And he prevent a drought? Yeah, no, I mean, to, to be able to deal with something like this. Oh. Turn on the hard well, weather machine, right? Stretch, you know, like, like I, I think, I, I, I'm sure there's like, you know, we can, you know, have more water stores, we can, uh, you know, save up our water better, but... Uh, when the drought hits, all you can do is dredge because they are adding some water that they do have saved up back into the river from snowmelt or, you know, previous winters and previous uh, flooding areas. They are adding that water back, but the dredging is really all you can do for right now. Um, well, wait, is it? Thing- hold on a second, Rachel. Is it true that Biden uh, drained the specific Mississippi River water strategic reserves? I have no idea. I wish I could answer that, but I'm not sure. I don't, th- I don't think they exist, Rachel. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Like, this is out of nowhere. I was going to say, is that really, is that really a well, thing? He asked how we could prevent he it. And now I'm like, maybe we could have a big Prevent the impact from it, obviously, oh, okay. is what I'm talking right, about, man. You can just put a hose in the You've got whole companies right now that are looking to move cargo up the Mississippi River on cargo ships, right? And on barges, right? And then have an inland port. That doesn't seem like such a great idea anymore, does it? Not if this yeah, is going mean, to occur I think randomly. Going forward, this type of business, is, this de- type of transportation is definitely Suspect. maybe a little risky. But also, the barge industry also has already been suffering because a lot of their uh, a lot of their traffic used to be coal, and of course, coal mining and uh, coal usage has severely decreased over the past few decades. So. I could see going forward that, you know, the barge industry does shrink just because they have lost, you know, that key base of their business. Uh, if we do continue to see issues with, you know, fresh water or river levels, that could also be a big threat to their business. But uh, in that case, we would definitely need to have a more stable rail network. I would well, say. maybe, maybe yeah. well, what are you, you've been on Twitter too long. You're getting poisoned by rail Twitter telling you all that stuff. I think the problem here, uh, maybe barges, right? Like they're, they're right here. I see them on Tennessee river. They move about at the pace of driftwood. Why don't we put them on something faster? They're very slow. Why don't we have a stronger boat, pull the barge, a faster boat? Well, because rivers aren't that deep. They aren't that wide. You can't Stop making really excuses. The world's in crisis, Rachel. I don't know what to tell you. I'm All just, right. I'm so Cyber truck. We should have smaller We're barges, smaller barges know? that move faster is what we should have. So are we going to starve to death? What's going to happen? What's the result of this bridge thing? She likes it. <laughs> smaller barges. You guys are so mad about barges and trains. Um, well, well, what happens? I mean, the traffic still getting moved by barge is just even slower than before. And each barge can only hold... Usually, usually a tugboat can, you know, move 30 to 40 bar- barges. Now it's down to about 25 barges per boat. Oh. And each barge uh, can't hold as much uh, grain or soybeans mm. or what have mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, those, those uh, river levels are going down. It's getting more narrow. So we are seeing that one-way traffic. Uh, it's definitely, I mean, it's still going. It's still moving. We still are using barges, but yeah. it's just... Even slower than usual, and so, it usually is with a slow mode of transport. Rachel, is, is this is this confined specifically in the Mississippi? In what areas, and in, in are the tributaries drying up as well? Is that the, is that the issue? I mean, I look out here at Tennessee River; it's not bad. I think it is mostly confined to south of St. Louis, Missouri. I think that's gotcha. really where the main drought is hitting. Well, Rachel, 
Good luck to you and the Yankees. Thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate your time today. I'm going to talk more trash. I bet Sal will talk trash about barges with me. So I'm going to go to him. Thank you for your time today, though, Rachel. No problem. We appreciate it. Don't forget it. your uh, eye drops or whatever. Or eye drops, yeah. yeah. And, and if you're out there at a booth, remember, put some on your desk. Yeah, yeah. Little Thanks. travel kits, man. Toiletries. That's what the world wants. Yeah. Production, she can go now. We, bye, Rachel. Thank you, guys. Thank <laughs> you. Having her hang kick, out there muted. Kicked speaking? off the that was show. Weird. Like, do it out there. The Tanner, come on, man. Let's talk to Sal. Let's talk to our buddy Sal, professor at Campbell University. He's looking bright and orange. What's up, man? Boys, congratulations on 500 shows and everything. I was just sitting here darning some socks with my uh, sewing kit here. All right. So, waiting to come on. <laughs> nice. You ever sew a wound? You ever have to sew your own wound before? I never sewed my own wound before, but uh, I, I've had to kind of stitch up some things on when we're on ships yeah. and uh, as an EMT. On a volunteer fire department, I've had a bandage, not so, yeah. but pack some things. He's also an amateur cobbler. He's an, uh, well, I, you know, I'm kind of like, <laughs> I'm kind of the gross nurse at home. I got to do like the stitching and the blood, any blood stuff. That's Ooh, me. Do you stitch your kids at home? Well, you know, I cauterize them instead. I have a little blowtorch I use. It's cheaper. They're like, healthcare's so expensive. Suck it up, kid. Healthcare's so expensive. Was Rachel right about this? Is it okay if we talk trash about barges? What's going on? I don't have anything against the barge. I'm just mad about the, 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 the drought situation. Although, Sal, that's not just like the Mississippi. Isn't that like the Rhine? I mean, this is this situation impacting a lot of places in the world. No, if you look around the world right now, the Rhine, the Yangtze, uh, the plot down in South America, we're seeing this really spread around the world. The, the problem you have with replacing the barge is it just carries so much. Mm. You know, your standard towboat and 15 barges can carry the equivalent of 216 rail cars or over a thousand trucks. And so it's just the pure volume is really hard to replace. That is unbelievable. So, I mean, how, I, I mean, like I said before, is there any way to minimize the impacts of this with infrastructure moving forward? Or we just have to deal with this and, and, and pray for rain? Well, I mean, a lot of it has to do with, you know, the nation's water policies, for example. So, you know, above St. Louis, you have dams. It's one of the reasons why you're not seeing this on the lower Mississippi, because you can dam the waters up there and you have locks so, I mean, it's 300-foot elevation up there. You limit towboats to 15 barges north of St. Louis. But south of it, you're really at the mercy of, of water. And what we're having right now is a massive drought in the Midwest. And, you know, the crazy thing is there's a proposal out there to build a pipeline to pump some of the water out of the Mississippi into the Colorado River. And mm -hmm. obviously that would be massively detrimental to this because of water levels. We, we see this cycle every now and then. And we're just in one of those cycles right now. And obviously, it is exasperated by global warming and a lot of human conditions. But we've also dredged and diked uh, the Mississippi River. We've changed the natural flow of it. And that, you know, kind of causes more problems to it. We really need, again, this goes to that national, you know, infrastructure. What's our big plan for south of St. Louis down to New Orleans? Because right now, what you're seeing right now is ships piling up in New Orleans mm. waiting for grain. And we already have grain shortages around the world because of yeah. Ukraine. And we're seeing escalating costs now for grain on the world market. You know, no one's going to believe this, but we are less than six months away from our next evergreen vessel. Uh, more benching, right? Getting stuck every every spring that comes. It's going to happen in another six months. It's every spring, doesn't it? Yeah, it's we're true. In, we're, we're I in didn't it was coming now. It's not that it's far. It's like away. the spring solstice. It is at the spring solstice. So let's help those seafarers I, out there, Sal. What is the best game to play when you are stuck out at sea on a vessel? 
Mm. Oh, best game to play? Yeah. I mean, it's always card games. I mean, it's always card games. So wherever way you can lose money, whatever type of poker you want to do, oh. that's the best way to pass time. Yeah, no, like I had Pokemon an old or Magic. You're just like straight, straight up cards. Straight up cards. Yeah, poker. Straight up poker. I had a brother who worked on a research ship for oil. Yeah. And and we would ship we would ship him uh, footballs and frisbees once a month, a box full of them. How many frisbees do you think are in the ocean from people on vessels tossing them around? Uh, nowhere near as many as basketballs that go over the side. I can, <laughs> I can testify to the amount of ba- basketballs that went over the side. When I was a cadet, we would play what's called hatchball, which is a version of baseball. And the reason we played hatchball was you would take a T-shirt and ball it up and then wrap it with uh, duct tape because you oh. can make new ones anytime. Just people started losing their T-shirts after a while. Wow. Yeah, so you guys were running around in just shorts after a while, right? After a while, it wasn't a pretty picture. No, it was, it was not good. <laughs> so I'm seeing that orange and I'm seeing that black. It's getting to be Halloween. What is the scariest situation you've ever been on on a ship? The sca- Well, ironically, the scariest I've ever been on a boat, period, was with my volunteer fire department. We were teaching new firefighters how to dock our boat. And uh, one of our new firefighters didn't quite understand a, a jet boat, uh, the jet propulsion on a boat. Mm. And on a jet boat, you always got to keep power on. If you take the power off, there's no control. And I, I, I try to counsel this, this uh, young firefighter that the way we get on board the, uh, the, the ramp is to give it a little bit of power. And he gave it so much power that he spun it into the ramp. And we were doing 360s between two docks, and that was the scariest I've ever been on a boat. I, I was pretty sure we were all going to die at that moment. And wow. for, for all the sailing I've done in my life, that was the moment. Is like, I'm going to die in a lake well, close to have, the house. Yeah, accidents happen closest to home, right? That makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. It does make sense. I once ran aground on a 19-foot boat, 19-foot boat with a 25-horse Evinrude on it in the middle of Lake Erie. You ever run aground in any place weird like that? People don't understand just how shallow Lake Erie is. You can walk and not see land, and you can walk about knee-deep in water <laughs> places out there. I, I had my nieces and nephew out on a boat in the intercoastal waterway, and I obviously was just thinking, oh, I'm on a shallow boat, I'm on a jet boat, I don't need to worry about water, and I ran it aground. And we were out there for about a couple of hours waiting for the tide to come, and I remember someone came. This is after I just stopped sailing. And someone came out and gave us a hand pulling the boat off. And uh, the guy turned to me after we got the boat loose. He goes, you know, after you sail for a little bit, you'll learn about this stuff. And I, I just didn't. My wife just laughed immensely about it. It's like, <laughs> oh, the big sailor there ran aground. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, Sally, you know, you, I would give it that sailing job by him an F. Students out there, they're always trying to avoid the F. When is it obvious that a student has cheated on a paper? Oh, well, uh, usually the, the best way I find that students cheat on the paper is when the paper they turn in is in different fonts. That's usually a clear sign that they've copied from somewhere else. And, and so you have all of a sudden the different fonts that change. And anyone who uses a semicolon correctly has cheated. In my <laughs> nobody, nobody knows how to use that uh, correctly. Okay. See, now all your future students that are watching are just going to throw in random semicolons. Well, all here's, over how the you can do, here's how we can get past Sal. Here's huh. your professor. And yeah. this is what I would tell you once we left yeah, the room. Yeah, yeah. I would say, okay, hit control A yeah. and then switch your fonts all to the same size and Yeah, yeah, it's, and it's really Just keep easy. it consistent it's like really that. Easy. I usually I, I tell when podcasts are cheating, I, I listen to like a lot of podcasts and YouTube videos. And when I'm watching or listening podcasts to them, I'll usually cheap. go on like Wikipedia to read whatever they're not saying. And then a lot of times I find out they actually are just reading this Wikipedia right back at me, Sal. 
Really? That, that's, the, that's the best source. I mean, people will do that. Again, the best teacher in the world is just one chapter smarter than their student. That's all you have to be. <laughs> so if I wanted to, like, skip class and stuff like that, do I walk in and talk about sailing with you once a week, and then you'll tell me what went on in class, and I'm, I'm, I'm golden? I had a professor. All I had to do was stop in his office once a week and talk about golf, and I, and I never had to show like, up. Yeah, last one was like five. He's like, yeah, I don't know. Professor, professors love when students come by. I mean, when yeah, they show yeah. interest, that's that's always that that's always the best thing and everything. So my problem was I was grading exams during the Alabama Tennessee game. So I think I had a couple of students fail during the end of that game. <laughs> when are we getting to meet the camel? When are you going to have us down to uh, to see some of your athletics over there? You saw us at University of Tennessee Chattanooga. I, I did. I, I saw you there with the mocks. That that was that was a great show. That was uh, really good and everything. I I, I will have to make uh, arrangements to get uh, Gaylord and Gladys uh, out here, uh, maybe for a presentation in the background here with who, me or get wait, you guys up here. Who's Gladys and Gladys and who? Gaylord and Gladys. Those are, those are the fighting camels. Oh, they Campbell are. University. I didn't we know that. Two, Did you know two that? mascots? We I, compare. I just knew it was a camel. I didn't know that there was two camels. And I didn't uh, know they were a couple. I imagine one would spit at you. Sal, are we going to, we're going to see you November 1st, F3. You coming to town? Trying to get up there for it. I'm trying to get my uh, plan uh, set up and everything for it. I was I was hoping to do a presentation for you guys up there. That's what I always love. You know I love to come talk and everything like that. I want to see what that spot looks like between the two of you. Well, I mean, if, if they don't, I'll just FaceTime you and, and we'll talk to you anyway. We don't have to miss each other. <laughs> no, not at all. Not, not at all. So, I, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to getting up into Chattanooga and seeing you guys uh, in person. Well, Rachel suggested bringing some tights, but that's probably pretty useless to a lot of the audience. So can you give a better suggestion than Rachel's? Listen, I, I agree with Rachel. Number one is you, you dress <laughs> for the inside. Okay. You're going to be inside Tight. most of the time. Tights and eye drops. Inside most of the time. No, you guys inside, are wrong. Right? You and Ra- are hold on. I got to hold on. Scratch the record. You long guys are, are great. You're not inside all the time. This event at, at 3.30 every day, this you're event, going, you, you are out. outside. We're going off to the experiences. We're going outdoors to go to concerts and what stuff. Is, I want to know what Sal Mercogliano is wearing to the Yacht Rock Review. What, what would you wear to yacht, yacht Rock Review? What is your concert outfit? Listen, first off, when it's cold outside, you just layer up. Layers are the key. It's always the key for everything. You don't need to carry a huge heavy jacket. As long as you're layered up, you're good to go. Uh, Yacht Rock Review. I don't know how much for Yacht Rock Review I would do. I tend to be a little bit more of Margaritaville and uh, classic rock for me. Oh, okay. All right. I figured he had a leisure suit and and some gold pendants, maybe some gold chains. Who's better looking, (laughs) rooster or super trucker? Oh man, that 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 is that is a tough one. Uh, I I enjoy their podcast a lot because you don't get a chance to see them too much. So that's always uh, <laughs> a, a good one uh, to have. Got a great face when, you, when, when you're told when you're told you have a face for podcasting, there, there's a reason for that. <laughs> oh, you know they have a they have a recurring segment on this very show, Michael. Vin- I mean, not Michael. Michael Vincent. Vincent. What did I do? It's coming up next. I'm just so used to even I say that to my kids sometimes too. He yells at him. Michael Vincent, stop that. Like, Michael Vincent. It's not me, man. Listen, listen, Rooster and Super Trucker give me a lot of flack sometimes on Twitter. So any chance are, I get, to what are they giving you? What are they giving fun. you flack about? What are they? What are they? Oh, just, just in general at times. Just in general, depends on what I, I want to talk about and everything. If I talk anything about boats, you know, because they, they talk about trucks, you know. But I always got to talk about boats. I get it from your boss Craig, who wants to talk about planes all the yeah. time. And boats are awesome. Boats are the, the way to t- talk about anything. And that's why I couldn't believe you were do- dogging on uh, barges there a little while ago. Oh, too. I'll just fight over anything. It's just in my nature. Yeah, me too. I can't believe nobody <laughs> brought up blimps as the solution. I think blimps are it. 
Well, we did remember during this, the, the when Vessel Master didn't share all the time, Sal, there was that picture going around of the bimps, the blimps moving the containers, and it was blimps, like, this blimps, is the solution. Baby. Fill them with grain, send them down to Mississippi. The, the problem you have is 40-foot containers can weigh 60,000 pounds, and there's not even helicopters that can lift those things. And, and so this is why uh, ocean shipping, uh, inland shipping is always the best, because you can move infinite amount of tonnage without a problem. Everything else you're restricted on. You put enough helium in that blimp, you're getting that bar, yeah, thing moved. You put enough <laughs> helium in Sal and have him sing the Star-Spangled Banner, you're, you're hearing something. Sal doesn't need any more helium inside of him. I'm good. I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, really. Well, Sal, I appreciate your time. Thanks for catching up with us. I got to get over to Rooster and Super Trucker to see what they're all about and see if they have any shade to throw your way. But uh, in the meantime, I hope I see you November 1st. I hope I see you guys too and everything and give my best to the boys. I'm sure they'll have something to say about right it. I'm on. sure about that. Pack your tights and, and, and eye drops, my brother. Pack <laughs> your tights and eye drops. And uh, <laughs> what was his layer? So you need tights, layers, and eye drops of what we've heard so yes, far. Yes, yes, yes. Do yes. you have one? What do you always make? Like for me, it's chargers are obviously a big one. I got to make sure I have like a lightning cable or something for my stupid yeah. devices. Uh, got to make sure I have the charger for the laptop. That would be disastrous for getting your laptop charger, especially those who are going back to your room afterwards to do some work. Um, uh, uh, chargers, vitamins, yeah. and um, clean underwear are like the things I check over and over. Really? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I think I can get away with the same pants for two days as long as my underwear don't. Okay, still hasn't gotten cold enough for me to put on underwear yeah, yet, yeah, but yeah, yeah. we're getting there. Oh, you're no, no, okay, you're still yeah. going commando. Oh, still, always. Always. Yeah. Anyway, Sweet. Super Trucker and Rooster joining the show. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> Here they are right now. A couple of my fellow He's commandos. What's up, commandos? It's nothing but love for Sal. Why are you talking Any ribbing we do with him? Any ribbing we do with Sal is just to get him riled up because he knows he's forgotten more about boats than any of us will ever know. No, that's true. That is true. Is that, Rooster what's wearing the, what's, a What have you jacket? learned about boats from him? Just how much freight they move. I mean, yeah. trucks are what everybody sees on the roads, but you know, boats are really like just completely invisible on the supply chain until. You know, we have disasters like we're seeing now with the rivers being so low. Yeah, that, barges, amazing amount of freight moves on barges. Yeah, that number that he put out was it's pretty, huge. Uh, and, it's the, yeah. the use case for barges is set I, right there. I drive across this bridge every day coming into work and going home, right? And yeah. the number of barges that are always sitting there waiting or moving underneath it amaze me every day. They are slow as hell, though. They, they move down oh, yeah, at yeah, the yeah. speed no, of they're not fast. That's, that's about how fast they go. No. Um, but let's say you don't have the barge, but you get some giant-ass thing to move on land. Let's take a look at this heavy haul right here. And I love this stuff. This is like the SpaceX and NASA freight. We've done logistics of heavy mm -hmm. haul before. How many tires you count on that thing, Justin? It's like 10, a couple hundred. I mean, three, it's just three quarters of it an never, it, never, <laughs> it never stops. <laughs> what, helps, what helps them is, you know, they're, um, this is on the coast, so it's nice and flat. There's no hills, no turns. You know, these are, these are, looks like, looks to be closed roads. So, you know, steady as she goes. It's basically the barge equivalent of a truck. What wow. is I put the, the over under around fifty six. Yeah, what is the length on that? That is pretty. That's longer than a barge for sure. Or maybe it's the size of. I don't know. Barges are pretty long. You think that's longer than a barge or not? Depends on the it size. It looks of the barge. like hundred feet. <laughs> looks about. I'm going to say it depends on the size of the barge. Depends on the size of that <laughs> actual image. Depends <laughs> <laughs> on the actual scale. Justin, what is the what is the biggest thing you've ever hauled? Oh, geez. I've never done any oversized stuff. I've, everything's always been in a drive in. Um, but the heaviest thing I've ever had was um, 56,000 pounds of Gilsonite. No, I'm sorry. I take that back. When I was working at the Packer Terminal, um, we would get 20-foot uh, containers off the boats that would have 
120,000 pounds oh, yeah. of uh, nickel. You know, they don't care how heavy those things are. They just pack them as high as they can. And no, you, when you go back into the port on the scales, you just see the numbers and you're like, oh, crap. Oh, wow. Yeah, I used to pack behemoths like that. If the gantry can, crane can lift it, I'm putting it in there. Because we had the heavy permits to boom. Oh, so you have the permits and it can fit. How about Hell you, Rooster? Yeah. What's the biggest thing you've pulled? Uh, Oversize-wise, 110-foot-long uh, light poles or Georgia Power. Uh, Weight-wise, unfortunately, I hadn't done 120,000 pounds. But... uh. uh Right at 47,000 pounds of water. Now, so length, is length much more challenging than weight, I would imagine? Oh, yeah. You got to worry about that fish tail constantly. Whenever you make a, a hard turn, like coming off the on-ramp to a surface street, you got to worry about that, you know, 30, 40 feet of fish tail behind your axles you got to account for. Because a lot of times people don't think about that, and there will be a traffic light or a, a – security light there on the corner of the street they'll turn and the, that back end hit the lights and snap it off and then you got all kinds of havoc to deal with okay I'm, I'm interested is this like a one-upsman gamesmanship type of thing around the fuel island with truckers like oh yeah well i hauled 57 oh. million pounds oh like, well it's harder to do the link the, uh, no you're like crazy the diesel brothers in front of the uh the the r6 and yeah. the badger that didn't exist right exactly yeah when you're like ah. yeah the only thing people care about the fuel line is, is is if the guy in front of you pulls up. They're just <laughs> getting, right. getting fuel and going. Rooster, what are you what I'll are take, you wearing? Rooster, what are you what are you wearing? By the way, you look kind of like you're doing construction work for the Russian army or something. Like you're like a cost. What? It's cold guys. You know, he looks like John time, Candy you know, in the great outdoors, boy. walking around, man. <laughs> no, I wasn't sure. Cause it, well, it looks like they match. Is that a set? Bear, big bear. No, it's not a set. It's solid on top, and you know, high vis orange and yellow. Well, speaking of oranges, we have learned that there could be an orange juice shortage, and that's kind of out your way. You're a farmer, so maybe you have some insight on this. But what we're hearing right now is that the price of orange juice has jumped to an all-time high of mm. $2.90 a can for a couple reasons, for a 12-ounce can. Wow. One of them is that there is, uh, what is it, greening disease? There's green disease that it may- yeah. makes the oranges grow smaller and with less sugar in them, and it's yes. just been a bad season in general, so much so that it's down 32% from last year, lowest output since 1943, and it's gotten to the point where maybe this will actually be good. I, apparently, the FDA controls how much sugar, like, defines juice, so these manufacturers are like, hey, we got mm. this fruit, it's yielding less sugar, can you drop your qualifications for sugar in there? And, like, that seems actually, like, not a terrible idea, right? We could all use some sh- less sugar juice, but Rooster, what, what's up here? Uh, is Eddie Murphy doing reenacting his trading place scene in the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Turn those machines back on. Uh, you got to be careful with the with orange juice. You know that's South Florida. Guess what went through South Florida? Hurricane yeah. Ian. Yeah. All the, yeah. All like all those oranges got shedded off, and kind of like the uh, worst time of the year. You know, you got to have so many frost days on citrus for them to sweeten up properly, and well, they're not going to have that since they're off the tree. So now we're going to have an orange juice shortage. Wow. Uh, I green, didn't know that. Greening disease, greening disease I'm not too certain about. Uh, but, yeah, uh, you know, it is harvest time of the year. Stuff like that happens, you know, unfortunately. But, we, like you know. All, all four of us, you know, we could all lose a couple pounds. What, that, this juice thing, though, what? like why does you have to have the standard that you have to have X amount of juice? It would be great if there was like – Lower sugar juice. I don't give my kids juice a lot of times because of how 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 high the calorie and sugar content is. 
I guess I think they should it change it. Do you, do, you, do you prefer orange juice or lemon juice well, there, uh, dinner? Yeah, but why a law? Why, why, I like why, lemon why, juice why, more. Why is there a regulation on it is the question, I don't know. I right? like lemon juice more. I can't, and I don't like lemonade. I like lemon juice. I like to squeeze it on my tongue and go like, like that. That's fun. Dude, you, you need the green oranges to make the, 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 the mojo sauce for your manakitas for your fried plantains. <laughs> See, he knows. Justin knows. Doesn't sound like I have a lot of support on this. Are you no. which lowering the sugar content? I'm with you. All right. I'm down with it. I'm down with it. Green oranges only. You guys want to see some crazy road rage? Look at this video right here. We like these things have, and I know this is uh, selective sample size that we put on what the truck, but it seems like every t these road rage instances are ratching up Michael Vincent. We had the two yeah. people who were yeah, shooting yeah, yeah, each yeah, other, yeah. and they shot their kids in the back. We had the uh, guy who. See, look at this. Look at this. Dude, he goes down a Look at this guy. You got to replay that and watch where that blue yeah. car comes from, though. First time I saw this, I thought the blue car came through the intersection, and it doesn't. If no. you watch here, you'll see he's actually just trying to he's he's in the right. same side of the road as the blue guy. He's just trying to get away. He's right He's right there. See him? He's there right he there. goes. There he is. Now the, he comes home and goes, oh, yeah? You ain't getting through that intersection. All right, Justin, what do you, <laughs> what do you think happened between these two cars? Uh, it's... Good case of uh, unstoppable force meets a movable object. Um, people seem to think that they're the road police, you know, without a badge. But insurance companies, you know, they hate this shit. <laughs> you, do you have, like, people, it, when you were in a truck, did you have four-wheelers, like, trying to citizens arrest you or, like, being like, I'm calling the oh. cops and stuff? All the time, especially in a postal truck, because they just they see you as dollar signs. You know, you, you, got, you got guys, you know, yelling, you get out of the truck, get out of the truck, we'll settle this. I'm like... I'm not getting out. You're insane. Also, I'll squish you like a bug and sleep like a baby. So get back in your car. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Rooster, whoa. have you Throwing been citizens down, arrested? Man. You get yelled at by motorists? No, no. Fortunately, you know, I kind of hung out in the, <laughs> the, out in the Midwest, rural areas. We're not around the big cities like I'm, this, I'm in the know. Northeast, so. Yeah. Yeah, we just flip people <laughs> off. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Rooster looks like he's our Antarctic hero, right? He's like, he's calling the, uh, in from our Antarctic zero in Antarctica, <laughs> fighting out of the world. is hey, really flat around. Up, hey, all the people up in upper Michigan right now on the stoves, y'all guys be careful, okay? He's going to climb the Arctic wall and see what's behind it later on today. Let's take a look at this. This current. Let's, let's say, the ring doorbells have been like the let's play this video. The ring doorbells have been like the bane of the existence for yeah. uh, de package delivery people because like this is the place you get them all the time. Uh -huh. Now look, look at, at this. He's struggling. He's, he's and he's even wearing a high vis uh, sweater like like Rooster wears. More of a hoodie, but no, there. Now it's in. Now yeah, it's in reverse. So? Probably Oops. Not. <laughs> what, is, what is someone doing in a situation like this? Like can he just not put his parking brake on? I know a lot. Uh, Somebody went in there and changed the P and the R and the D on his, <laughs> on his in his car, right? <laughs> Is that what happened? Uh, Someone's playing Bruce, a joke on him. What, what, what delivery have you done where you're glad there wasn't a video camera? Uh, wow. Let's see here. <laughs> uh, Last time he was wearing that well, outfit. Oh, well, yeah, probably does involve that, but uh, I actually almost got stuck. It. It was up, up up in Massachusetts. There's a Nestle facility, and the roads full, the park parking areas full of potholes, and I got hung up in it. And it's kind of like embarrassingly simple how to get myself out of that jam. But I was there for three hours trying to figure it out, and almost made the phone call of doom to safety and told told him I was I was stuck. You you, you did it. Well, he might have slapped you if he was really angry. Yeah. Let's take a look at this announcement from Dana yeah. White. 
What's up, everybody? You have seen President Dana White here, and I am putting together the biggest slap competition of all time. So, if you have ever professionally slapped, or you think you can, email a video and your information to our casting team at slapcast at pilgrimmediagroup.com, or just hit the link in bio. Okay, should we be bringing this? To, should we be? Let's take a look at this guy real quick. Do we have time for him? Roll it. Yeah. That's what he's talking about. So this this got viral. People slapping watermelons. You saw that guy destroy it. Oh, this guy tries and look what happens. Can't hold a watermelon to save her life. Oh, on the floor. <laughs> Not as easy as it looks. Do you think we should bring this to F three? Do we need slap fighting in yes. F three? Hope you have insurance. <laughs> this guy's already yeah, fun. I'm a little bit of a pacifist myself. What the hell? Can someone just say yes? Say yes. yes. I want France Pokemon. Slave 2022. I want Pokemon slap fights at F3. France Whoever slap. wants it, we'll do it. At my house, we will do those. Uh, find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Find them at Back the Truck. Find them at Vincent the Dude. Don't be a stranger. Tell them how to be. Hey. Download their new podcast. Peace and love. <laughs> Spread it everywhere. <laughs>